Hello out there and welcome to The Stuck Stops Here, Season 4, Episode 1. Hey, yeah! Crossed a bridge inside a cage Burn it down with fire and rage Fall down seven, get up eight Winds of change never wait Another life that leaves you hollow Bit of fill the sorrow This is L.W. No Lie, and I'm here with my co-host, Tammy Reseda Atman. Today we have a special guest. It's Gail Ferguson-Jones. She is an award-winning journalist, speaker, podcaster, and family recovery coach. She's a recovering codependent who survived the trauma and chaos of three generations of alcoholism in her family, her maternal grandmother, her father, and her husband, all of whom died of the disease. After hitting a personal rock bottom about eight years ago, she embarked on a healing journey and is dedicated to sharing the beauty, freedom, and empowerment of recovery with her Butterfly Effect program. Let's talk to Gail and find out more. Hello, Gail. How are you? Hi, Tammy. It's a great day. Good to see you. Thank you for the privilege of having me as a guest on your podcast last week. I hope your following liked it. And if they didn't, don't tell me, I'll cry. Oh, no, no. Getting great reviews. Yes, I'm hearing good things. Yeah, what is the name, sure. what is the name of your podcast? It's Butterfly Effect. It's spelled B-U-T-T-R-F-L-Y. Butterfly effect. And it's, of course, about transformation because that's what caterpillars do. They transform into beautiful butterflies. For sure. Gail, that's a wonderful metaphor. Gail, we would love for our listeners to hear your story. I know you wanted to talk about boundaries and hitting rock bottom. Can you share with us your experience? Well, when you um, when I was faced with um, the dilemma of uh, my husband's alcoholism, uh, I was always in the ICU with him, wow. going through his near death experiences, and always trying to get him into rehab. And finally, um, after one of these episodes my mind and my body just couldn't take it anymore. And I just had a meltdown. And that was the day that I realized that I could only change myself. I could only be responsible for myself. I couldn't make decisions for anybody else. I couldn't uh, convince anybody to do anything they didn't wanna do, even if it was for their own best interest that I needed to mind my own business, stay in my own lane and um, set some boundaries so that I would be healthy and well. Because until that point, I didn't realize that loving somebody could actually do harm to me. So I always stress how the healing journey is not linear. And if you don't mind, can you share how long it was until you hit rock bottom? How many years were you dealing with your husband until you hit rock bottom? And then 
how many years was it from hitting rock bottom to starting your podcast? And your coaching program. Well, let's see. I would say it was about six years or so of doing what I thought was right, going to Al-Anon, but not really being open to the message. So even if you, I learned that even if I sought help, I had to be really open to embracing it and not get stubborn and think I knew what was right. I had to open up and really understand what the serenity prayer meant, which I thought I accept the things I cannot change, but then I have the courage to change the things I can. So I held on to that second line more than the first one. And uh, so it took um, some counseling, continued 12 stuff, but in Codependence Anonymous instead of Al-Anon. It took working with my doctor, who was wonderful. It took uh, learning meditation. And a big part of the journey was journaling. And so that was around 2012. That was about six years in. When I look back at those journals now, I am amazed at how I was a butterfly crawling around on my belly as a victim and how I've come out with my wing all colorful and beautiful and flying high. And so I started Butterfly Effect. Well, actually I was working on it uh, before my husband's untimely demise. He did go to rehab, but didn't stay. And so sadly I had to learn my part of my recovery was watching somebody self-destruct being available, but being understanding that it wasn't my responsibility anymore, that I didn't want to, my doctor was telling me, your life could be shortened. She explained to me that my life could be shortened, um, that I couldn't keep running to the ICU and going through that trauma repeatedly, repeatedly. So that was difficult, but with the support of 12-step, with the meditation practice, and with journaling out my feelings, that was so important. Writing out my boundaries. I had to write out what boundaries look like and, and, and stick to them. I, that's the main thing. Boundaries are not um, about giving ultimatums. They're not about trying to get somebody to do what you want. I learned that boundaries were just what I would not tolerate anymore. Yes. I can so relate to everything you said. And I really want to go back and um, highlight how you were going to Al-Anon. And but you still really weren't absorbing it. And it's amazing how in the early stages of healing... I think we go through the motions yes. that we know to do this, but we don't acknowledge it on a deeper level where it requires true connection to, to you can do all these uh, good, healthy things, but it's got to be felt, accepted, understood on a very deeper level. You just don't show up to and think, okay, this will fix me. It, it doesn't work like that. It's part of the healing journey, but not the only thing. So I love that you said that. So Gail, you started your healing journey in 2012? 
Yes, yes. That was about six years or so, even longer after going to Al-Anon, seeing different counselors. Um, But always my focus was never on myself. My focus was on him. And so, you know, the change needed to happen in me. Instead of the resentment, the blame, the shame, the the basically insisting on being a victim, on playing the victim role, I finally rock bottom, helped me understand it's up to me whether to be a victim or not. That was not in anybody else's control but my own. So when you hit rock bottom, what was the very first step you took? The very first step I took was um, to see my own doctor who always knew what was going on at home, um, which I think is very important. It's a very important step, no matter what the issue. When um, my doctor couldn't figure out why I was overweight, my blood pressure was through the roof, we couldn't get a handle on anything. I kind of mentioned what was going on at home and she said, there it is. So when I hit that rock bottom, I went to her and was told that I had PTSD, something I couldn't even imagine because I was not a veteran. I had not been in any wars, but I guess I had been. But Gail, I noticed in your um, in your bio, you mentioned that your father was an alcoholic and your maternal grandmother was an alcoholic as well. So yes. were you suffering from PTSD from all of that? It was the generational stuff, right? It wasn't just your husband. Yes, I believe so. I mean, there were um, long periods of years in between all that. So I didn't really put it together. That was a that was a big part of it. I probably had a lot stored up, a lot of trauma and a lot of wounds that I was unaware of. So I had to excise all of that. So do you think the toxic family patterns that seem to go back two and three generations for you sort of paved the way for you to choose a, you know, somebody such as your husband? Because it was, even though it made you miserable, it was comfortable. Well, of course, it didn't start out that way. And I didn't understand that somebody having a few beers at work, that it's that the disease is progressive. So everything was fine. And then his mother passed. And then all hell broke loose. And I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for that. Um, and that that often happens in um, marriages. No, we don't we don't normally step into things really seeing. We see what we want to see. Let's put it that way. That's true. That's you right. Know, in all our family relationships, we see what we want to see. And that's why rock bottom is important because that forces us to op- to admit what we saw but weren't willing to really look at. Hail to Gail. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> got that right. You got that right. So yeah. um, 
can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you learn to understand what boundaries are and set them and enforce them? Uh, there's a lot of people, I think, don't really grasp that concept. So I'd love for you to share your, your thoughts on that. Actually, um, when I, I didn't know the term boundaries, but I started journaling just, I'm not going to tolerate this and this and this and this, not knowing that that's what, it took me a few months to, to put the term boundaries with those lines that I was setting not to be crossed. Um, so again, that's why I think journaling is important because writing it out and looking it over later and, and it kept me um, accountable. It kept me sticking to my word and it gave me a blueprint, even though I didn't recognize it as a blueprint, I was just getting it out. I was just like, I wasn't even getting it out in reference to him. I was just getting it out in general who I wanted to be and what I would tolerate and wouldn't tolerate anymore. It wasn't even in reference to him. It I was how I wanted to be as a person. And, you know, the interesting thing about change and transformation is if we look at it as what we want to give up, we think we're losing something. But when we look at it as what we want to gain, there's a big incentive to make the changes necessary. And so I wanted to gain peace of mind and I didn't want to be triggered anymore. I didn't want to walk into traps. And so I admitted to myself what I was tolerating and what I wouldn't tolerate anymore. So I think it's real important to think of change as gaining something, not losing something. It's a great point. Be right on. When and how would you tell somebody? I know you just said what boundaries were. Um, how would you explain um, enforcing them in a way that that protects you, um, but without doing it in an angry way? Um, I always tell people that you don't need to ask permission or forgiveness to set boundaries. So I never explained myself. I just, I just behaved in a different manner. I just didn't get caught up in being gaslighted. I just yeah, didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get drawn into arguments. I didn't argue about things. I didn't ask um, if I went somewhere or done something that was going to be used against me. I ignored it. I didn't ask forgiveness. I did what I wanted to do. And that's just what was what I was doing. And so, um, yeah, I, that's that's real important to me. Now, some programs tell you to go through a whole explanation a person who is abusing you is never going to accept that explanation from you, no matter what you say. So if you go by what they say or what they allow, you're still going to be the victim. <laughs> I agree. That is true. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I see today, you know, as, you know, I 
sort of notice things now. I'm sure you're pretty observant too. And I notice a lot of people, they never hit rock bottom, but they hover just above that in chronic misery. Yes. And I'm wondering how would you get through to somebody like that or people like, what would you say to people who probably didn't hit rock bottom like you and I, but do have that chronic misery, um, negative thoughts constantly running through their head, a frenetic way of operating. Uh, you know, what would you say? Uh, what's your advice? Um, what words would you use to sort of say, you know, there's a better way? Well, you know, I was stuck <laughs> yeah. in that in that pattern for quite a while. I really was. You know, we get caught in what love is supposed to look like. What being a daughter, uh, I watched my mother be caught in being a dutiful daughter to her alcoholic mother. And we get caught in conventional ways of thinking. And we also get caught in what other people are going to think if I do something different. If I don't, you know, respect my parents who aren't respecting me. If I, you know... I, if I'm not there for my husband, making excuses for him when he's drunkenly abusing me. If people don't know what we go through, but we're so busy trying to do what looks like the right thing and looks like love, that we keep ourselves from hitting that rock bottom. We we don't even recognize, we know that we're miserable, right. but you know, this kind of, this social eye conditioning, social conditioning that says it's love is supposed to be sacrifice and pain to some degree, <laughs> right. you know, and, and I was, that's where I was stuck. That's where I was stuck that as I'm, I'm keeping my family together, I'm sticking it out. I'm going to be there with, I'm going to ride or die as the kids say now. <laughs> and so to me, Nobody can talk you out of that place of being unstuck until I think rock bottom is necessary, really. I think it's very, very necessary. You learn more from rock bottom. You grow more from rock bottom than if everything is comfortable, actually. You know, it's... That is, it's, that is true. I, I did a uh, podcast on comfortably, comfortably miserable. Right. Because... You know, where it's what we know, it's what we were taught, it's what our parents were taught, and it's what our grandparents were taught. The fear of the unknown um, keeps us comfortably miserable. and It does. And that's where, you know, why the healing journey isn't linear. Because rock bottom and putting yourself back together, you know, using, you know, truthful puzzle pieces rather than... Um, all the fragmented things that you were taught when you put yourself, it's not easy to put yourself back together authentically. Um, so true. it's uh, kudos to you for uh, being able to do that and do that so well. I find that if, if you're in a, if you haven't hit rock bottom and you're in a bad situation, you're probably still in denial. Would you agree, Gail? Uh, that's part of it. Now, also, uh, there is always something that's in it for us to stay in that place. So I had 
And my life had all the window dressings of a perfect life. On the outside, two very successful people, high-powered careers, um, a beautiful custom-built home, two well-educated children, world travel. It wasn't as though I wasn't getting a lot out of it. <laughs> so let's be clear that also sometimes it's harder to hit rock bottom from that place. And that goes back to what are people going to think? She has it all. What What is her problem? Absolutely. High-functioning anxiety and high-functioning depression. That's lived, right. So I lived, I lived with both for a long time. For a long time. So some people hover in that place you're talking about. Yep. There's always something we're getting out of it. It's not, we're not that self-sacrificing. <laughs> <laughs> True. Well said. Well said. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your podcast and your coaching program? Well, my podcast, um, we feature people like you, and we deal with these type of subjects of dysfunction, family dysfunction, um, helping people recognize sharing experiences. It's a, it's a conversation about our shared experiences. We I have professionals um, in the recovery field because the podcast is mostly about issues of codependency, which is what my program was about. Again, a term I had no understanding of, but in my healing journey, thank goodness, I'm a big reader, and I found Melody Beatty's book, The Bible of Codependency, Codependent No More. I'm familiar with and, that. And from there, I stepped into Codependence Anonymous. And um, so the butterfly effect is just that, because like I said, I switched from crawling on my belly to the last, oh, so since 2012, so the last eight years of getting, I'm wrapping myself in a cocoon of self-discovery, self-awareness, and then breaking out with my new wings. And so, of course, recovery is also about service. So the butterfly effect is about service. Um, I have addicts on. I have people who have attempted suicide because of unhappiness, who found their way to a life of joy and happiness. I have um, therapists. Um, it's just a place that it's not just about my story. I want to give people as broad of spectrum of experiences that they can see themselves with. And also, you know, introduce them to the program. B-U-T-T-R-F-L-Y effect. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, every link that, that you know, you want there will be in the show notes because uh, we need to uh, publicize this and promote the concept in general. Everybody, you know, needs to do what you've done, uh, you know, to save the next generation. Yes, because this problem is growing and growing. And again, it's not just drugs or alcohol. It's overeating. It's gambling. 
it's it's all kind of mental health issues. We have a whole society of people on anxiety medication that they're experiencing trauma in their lives, even from a young age. And um, so I feel like um, I definitely want everybody to learn from my experience, um, hopefully before they hit rock bottom. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's incredible how much, you know, this emotional trauma you kept, you know, experiencing over and over again, how much it affected you physically. It really is. And not, I, I couldn't have imagined. I didn't know, you know, I was raised by a codependent mother because her mother was an alcoholic. She never came to that understanding. So we just thought, well, high blood pressure runs in the family. So <laughs> not that we're all traumatized. <laughs> right. Uh, that's true. That is true. Um, any um, last words of wisdom you'd like to share or um, any advice? Well, my advice is um, to, to love yourself. Love yourself. Do not sacrifice yourself trying to love anybody else more than you love yourself. Love does not have to hurt. You don't have to sacrifice for it. And if you love yourself and you put yourself first, you'll be all right. You can find your way, but you have to decide who you want to be, not just your job, not just whether you're married, not just if you have children or money, but who you want to be on the inside as a person. What your life wants, what you want your life to look like, what you want your relationships to be like, that you want to be healthy and well and happy. And then if you decide that, if you set that intention, you can go from there. And even if you have the problems that you and I have, um, they can they can find your way out. Hail to Coach Gail. That's great, great <laughs> advice. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, um, I really appreciate you setting aside the time to to be on my podcast and and share your experience. It's not easy, but it's so valuable um, to everyone that's listening and, and, you know, trying to navigate, you know, away from toxic behaviors. So people like you make a difference. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Gail. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And all your links will be in our show notes. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
was so alive. 